Well, we've been in this series uh, called Death to Self. And, um, and Pastor Jason's always, you know, set it up by saying, you know, that sounds really heavy. But, but um, he's done an incredible job explaining, you know, some biblical examples of, of people who have died to themselves. Three weeks ago, we looked at the prophet Elisha and how he died to himself. He was actually a servant of the prophet Elijah. And, uh, and he went on to, to have this abundant life. And so we learned how death to self leads to an abundant life because he asked God for a double portion of Elijah's anointing. And then even after Eli- Elisha was, was long gone, his bones, right? His bones resurrected somebody else when they came in contact with him. And that gave him that literal double amount of miracles that Elijah had. So we see death itself led to abundant life. And then we learned about Saul, the persecutor of Christ followers, the one who would seek after and hunt down those who were part of the way and those who loved Jesus, and he would persecute them. And one day he had that encounter, right, on the road to Damascus, that encounter with Jesus. And Jesus said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And it, and it changed everything. That one encounter with Jesus changed everything. And he, he became Paul, and who we know as Paul, who went on to write about two-thirds of the New Testament. And so we saw how death to himself led to uh, this, this incredible eternal purpose. And God used him to do some incredible things and, and lay the foundation for a lot of what we know today as the church. Right, And then last week, we, we read this incredible story, an adventurous story, of Jonathan and his armor bearer. And uh, if you missed that, I encourage you to go back and listen to that online. It is phenomenal. But we learned how the, the, they were willing to die to themselves and take a risk, and it led to victory. Right? Everyone say victory. victory. It led to victory. And so death to self leads to victory. Well, there's another person we're going to look at before we get into all of this uh, who died to themselves. And it's me. Uh, this weekend, my, uh, my parents got my boys a birthday present. My, my son Silas turned six last Wednesday, and my son Ezra turned three last Thursday. They're three years apart, and they're just back-to-back birthdays. And so my parents sent us this incredible gift, um, and it definitely uh, it prompted me to die to myself many times. This incredible gift was uh, what I can only describe as a dome of death. It's literally this jungle gym thing uh, that had this wild assembly. I mean, it's hard enough to put stuff together, you know, when you're reading all these instructions. And I'm not kidding you guys. This box that it came in weighed 200 pounds. Not a lie, right? Like, you know, usually when you get something from Ikea or wherever, you know, some other godforsaken place and hallelujah, um, on the side of the box, there's this picture of these two stick men and they're lifting the box and, they're, and they have smiles on their faces. And it says, you know, it says something like, hey, make sure you have someone help you lift this or help you do this. And this, this box did not have that picture. This box had a picture of like a tractor lifting the box and says, do not lift this. Right? Like, this has to be, like, professionally done. But sure enough, my, my mom, I think, is watching right now. Thank you, Mom. Thank you, Grammy, for sending that present. Uh, and so I open it up, and I look at the booklet of material of how to assemble it. And it is literally thicker than my Bible. And, and I'm like, wow, this is going to be fun. <laughs> I get out in the yard, and it was actually a beautiful weekend. But my, I got kind of sunburned. But um, it, it, it 
laid all out. My, my, my boys kind of helped me lay out all the pieces, and I was looking at everything, and, and I knew right away, man, this is, I'm going to be dying to myself all weekend like this. This is quite a task. It was daunting. It took about eight hours of my weekend, but praise God, it is done. The Dome of Death is finished, and now my boys are climbing all over it and having a great time. Thank you, Grammy and Papa. I died to myself this weekend, guys. Come on. I need support. <laughs> well, Pastor Jason, he's, he started each one of these um, messages in this series, Death to Self, with this passage out of Luke. And today, I want to look at the same passage, but I actually want to start it one verse before where we've been starting. So it's Luke, and it's chapter 9, verse 23. This is Jesus talking. Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and is himself destroyed or lost? That's a powerful scripture, right? Wow. So that first verse in in 23, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. When Jesus says, take up your cross, I don't think that he's meaning a literal cross, so to speak. But let's think of that word cross for a moment as a verb. For instance, the roads ahead cross each other. And so your will and God's will, his holiness and our flesh are going to cross each other on a daily basis, right? And so when he says, take up your cross daily, I think it's in reference to, hey, our flesh, our our horizontal will will intersect. It'll collide with God's vertical will. And we have to take that up and decide to follow him daily. Amen? Amen? That's difficult to do. In fact, that is a perfect example of death to self, to take up your cross daily. That's the kicker there. It's not just a one-time taking up of a cross. It's, it's daily. Dying to ourselves, dying to our flesh, because there is that intersecting point. The cross is where your will and God's will intersect. So when he says do this daily, when our will and his will cross each other, we need to take that up and follow him, because his holiness and our flesh are constantly colliding. And it's a daily decision for us to take that up, to take up our cross and choose to follow him. We in we, we this together? We good? Good. Well, that is a true picture of dying in self. And so as we get into today's message, um, it, I want to look at this idea of death to self equals life in Christ. Everyone say, in Christ. In Christ. In Christ. So let's pray real quick. Lord, we love you and we thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for this time that we have together. We pray right now, Lord, that you would just speak to us in a way that only you can. We thank you that your word is alive and it's active. And we just thank you that you're working in our hearts so that we can leave this place closer to you and better for you. And we love you and pray all these things in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Death to self equals life in Christ. So throughout God's word, there is this, this, idea of the right hand of God. And this really intrigued me, the right hand of God. And and so when I was looking at it, it it talks a lot about how the right hand of God represents power. 
It represents authority. It represents deliverance. And so this kind of set me on a path to, to kind of discover, okay, what, what does the right hand of God mean? And it means those things. But then I came across a passage where it refers to the right hand of God, but in a different way. Not just power, authority, and deliverance. But look at this, this passage in, in the book of Psalm. Psalm 16, verse 11 says, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Pleasures forevermore. So we know that God's right hand represents power, authority, deliverance. But then the psalmist here says, hey, at his right hand is actually where pleasures forevermore can be found. And fullness of joy. And that's an incredible thought, right? Now, does anyone in here like crime shows or like, you know, forensic files? Or I can tell most people in here are scared to raise their hand on that one. They're like, you know, I'm not, is that okay? Can I like those kind of shows? You know, you sinners, it's okay. <laughs> well, you know, on crime shows where the detective or whoever is the lead investigator, they're looking at this wall of photos and, and, and clues. And as they step back and they begin to kind of look, at everything, They want to know how it all ties together and how it all makes sense. And so he begins to pin some things. And then he starts tying string to one picture, to the next picture, down to this clue. Do you all know what I'm talking about? Are you picturing this? So I almost feel like when I was going through this and studying this, that's what the Holy Spirit was doing with me. And so I hope that's what he does with you today as we explore God's word. Is that there's, there's this... This thread that goes throughout God's word ties everything together and points to Jesus, right? And so let's go on an adventure together. Do you want to do that? Do y'all, do y'all like having fun in church? Good. Okay. Let's go on this adventure. Let's discover some things. Let's keep in mind this thread that just kind of ties everything together. And whether or not you are into crime t- uh, television shows or for, you know, all that, that's... That's besides the point. No judgment here. I like him too. Okay. So God's right hand, it represents power, authority, deliverance. But we also see here that it is a place where you can find pleasure forevermore. And I think sometimes, whether it's subconsciously or even intentionally, we view God in our relationship with him as just a powerful authority. And and, and that's true. He is. But we remove fullness of joy and pleasure forevermore from the relationship equation. And so, yes, he is a powerful authority in our life. But you can also find fullness of joy and pleasure forevermore in that relationship. Amen? So one without the other is incomplete. One without the other is unfulfilling. Because if we view him as this this cosmic judge, that doesn't sound very fun. Now, he is, and he is all-powerful. But I'm telling you right now that in this relationship with Almighty God, there is pleasure forevermore. There is fullness of joy. Amen? Amen. You can find fullness of joy in that. So I was reading this, and I kept looking at at your right hand. What does that mean? At your right hand, there's pleasure forevermore. And then it hit me. This is where Jesus sits. This is where Jesus Christ sits. And so then I ran over to Mark. And it's in chapter 16. And it says this. So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. 
It's pretty awesome. Like soak that in for a second. So what does that tell us? That tells us that Jesus is seated in power and authority and deliverance, but he is also seated in a place where there is pleasure forevermore and there is fullness of joy. Amen? So Jesus, he gives the great commission to us right before this verse, go and preach the gospel, right? And then he ascends to heaven and he sits down at the right hand of God. Jesus has power and authority, but he also is seated where you can find pleasure forevermore. Okay, so what does this have to do with us being in Christ? Everyone say, in Christ. In Christ. Okay, remember the strings attaching one thing to another? Remember that? Okay, so let's keep that in mind as we continue this journey together. Let's jump over to the New Testament book of Ephesians, where we see Jesus. He's now seated at the right hand of God. And this passage is like a giant run-on sentence because Paul is so excited to just express how incredible and powerful God is. So he's writing to this church at Ephesus, and we're going to kind of just drop right in the middle. So if you, you know, look at the Bible app or look in your Bible, you'll see that the previous like five verses, it's just like there is no period. It's just comma, comma, comma. And so that's why it starts with and what, okay? And what? That's <laughs> fun. Ephesians 1, 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. So the people of Ephesus that Paul is writing to, they are primarily brand new believers, brand new Christ followers, baby Christians, if you will. And so they didn't, you know, have a rich knowledge of Israel's history and they didn't grow up hearing about how Israel was delivered from Egypt and how they would become a great nation. And they didn't grow up hearing about this Messiah that would come and save them by biblical definition. This, the, this group of people were Gentiles. They were non-Jews, okay? And so Paul is writing to this group of people at Ephesus trying to convey to them, God is incredible. He's powerful. Jesus is seated at his right hand. But the old way of your thinking and the old way of doing life doesn't work that way with Jesus because you are now seated in Jesus. Y'all following me? So... Before believing in Christ and following the way of Jesus, they were likely involved in a lot of mysticism and superstitions. They were trying to make sense of life logically and materialistically. And in human effort, even if these things are going well, with that type of outlook on life, it'll always lead to fear and insecurity. And maybe you kind of resonate with that. It'll lead to fear and insecurity because we are fallible. We are imperfect and we're incomplete without him. Right. So Paul was writing them with an urgency to let them know not only how awesome God is, but how life is different now because they are in Christ. So quick review. We see Ephesians 1:20 says God raised and seated Jesus at his right hand. All right. So there's a lot of crowd participation in the upcoming moments. OK, are you ready? Remember, we're on a journey together. OK. All right. So quick review. God raised and seated who? Okay, it's full, 100% participation. God raised and seated who? Jesus. That's what I'm talking about. Man. And where did he seat Jesus? Right 
Y'all are good. Y'all are so good. Raised and seated Jesus at his right hand. So now, just a few verses later into the next chapter of Ephesians, we see something pretty amazing. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 4, says this. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Even when we were dead, death to self, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So go back to verse 6. Raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So quick review on this verse. God raised and seated who? Us. Us. And where did he seat us? In Christ Jesus. And Christ Jesus is at the right hand of God. And if that is where power, authority, and joy, and pleasure forevermore are, and if we are seated in Jesus, then my friends, that is great news because that means that you and I have access to this power and authority and pleasure forevermore. Amen? Come on, we can get excited about that, people. That's good news. So y'all following me? Are the threads connecting? So we've already seen how God and his right hand, there's power, authority, and deliverance. We see that Jesus ascended into heaven and was seated at God's right hand, meaning Jesus has power, authority, deliverance. But we also saw in Psalm that it's a place of pleasure. And now we see in Ephesians that we are seated in Jesus. Therefore, we are seated in a position where we have access to power, authority, joy, pleasure. Amen? Amen. It's good news. That's good news, peeps. It is good news. And so whether you realize it or not, if we really truly embrace that, this position in Christ, it should change the way we live. Like it should, it should change how we view life. It should change our thoughts and our decisions and how we talk and how we treat people because we are seated in Christ. And so no matter what life is throwing at you, maybe you find yourself in a really difficult situation. Maybe you're facing a storm right now. If you are seated in Christ, there is access to power and authority. There's access to pleasure and joy. Amen? And so... Let's not drag our feet and walk with our heads down. We are children of God. If we've received him, we are seated in him. Therefore, we have access. Amen? We have access. Wow. Because Jesus sits in the place of authority and power, we are seated in him. We can share in that authority and power. So the way you and I have life in Christ has nothing to do with hard work or good behavior or good luck, or self-effort. It's simply being seated in Him. I didn't say this in the last service, but I just had this thought. I love that idea of being seated. It's like when you're sitting down, you're not like just running around and working, right? Like think of Mary and Martha. At the, you know, Jesus, and, and, and Mary is at the feet of Jesus, right? 
And Martha is, is running around doing work and trying to get everything ready. And, 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 and she's like, you know, Jesus, Mary's not doing anything to help around here. She's just seated at your feet. And Jesus is like, Martha, Martha, what she's doing is what's most important. So let's remember that, right? I, I don't, that's for somebody. I hope that sets you free today. That your busyness for the kingdom, it matters and it is important. But let's not forget that we are seated in him. Seated in him. It's a place of rest, right? It's a place where you can just spend time with him and enjoy his presence. That's the most important place. You're seated in him. Amen? Amen. Seated in him. The way you and I have life in that has nothing to do with what we do. It's simply being seated in Jesus. So when we are truly in him, we have access to blessing and benefit beyond what you and I could possibly earn or deserve. Because it's simply because of him. And we're seated in him. Y'all with me? So sometimes we still strive to like achieve some type of status. You know, like I talked about, you know, being busy and, oh man, you know, I got to do this for God or I volunteer. Man, we have amazing volunteers here. But let's remember that at the end of the day, it has everything to do with him. Whether what you do is seen or unseen, it has everything to do with him. And so whatever status we're trying to go after, let me tell you guys this, the greatest status that anyone could achieve is dead to self and alive in Christ. Amen? That's the greatest status anyone could ever achieve. And here's the achievement part. You just simply sit. You sit in Christ. Because it has nothing to do with what you've done. It's everything to do with what he did. Amen? So the greatest status that you can ever achieve has everything to do with his achievement. And all you have to do is sit. Dead to self. Alive in Christ. Amen? That's good stuff. Amen? So I showed you all of that to simply say that when we die to ourselves, when we die to our own will, when we die to our flesh, and we realize that we are seated in Christ, we actually begin to realize how alive we really are. How alive we really are. Maybe, maybe today you feel like a shell of a person. Maybe you feel empty. Maybe you feel like your joy tank is, is completely depleted. Maybe life has just gotten hard. And things that you are facing or involved in are difficult. Let me tell you right now that it is found in him. Jesus is seated in a place of power, authority, and joy, and pleasure. So seat yourself in him. Amen? Remind yourself that if you are seated in him, you have access to that. You have access to that. That's good news. We are truly alive when we're dead to ourselves. So let's look at 2 Corinthians 5, 13 through 15. Everyone say, in Christ. I love this verse. If it seems we're crazy, it is to bring glory to God. (laughs) I just love that. Let's stop right there. Sometimes the love of God just grabs a hold of you and you just, woo, you know, I just love Jesus. If you think I'm crazy, well, you don't know what God has brought me through and, and delivered me from, right? If it seems we're crazy, it's to bring glory to God. But if we're in our right minds, it's for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Listen to this, guys. This is, this is it. This is the one. This is like the theme of what we're talking about right here. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. Verse 15 says this. He died for everyone 
so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Amen. If that doesn't explain death to self equals life in Christ, I don't know what does. Amen. But wait, there's more. This verse, check this out. This verse that we just read, it actually leads into what is possibly the most profound and important passage of scripture when it comes to you and I and our position in Christ. You ready? Some of you might recognize it. You don't know where I'm going yet, but when it's on the screen, you might. Check it out. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, woo, he is a new creation. This room is way too quiet for hearing good news like that. Come on, somebody. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Woo! Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Guys, that ministers to me. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We have new creation status if we are in Christ. Death to self equals life in Christ. Hallelujah. 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 If anyone is in Christ, new creation. Old is gone. New is here. That's that's good news. That is such good news. And maybe you're here today and you've already received Jesus Christ as your Savior. And you just need that reminder. Old is gone. The new is here. You're a new creation if you're in him. Remind yourself of that today. Amen? So the worship team is going to come up. We're going to close a little bit differently, but we're not closing yet with with what God's talking about right here. So check this out. I have, and we're going to have some fun with this, okay? Are we all having fun? Okay. Well, even if everyone said no, that's okay. I'm having fun, so we're going to keep going, okay? (laughs) You'd have to be a real jerk to say no. (laughs) Y'all having fun? No! Okay, let's pray. So I have a confession And maybe this will set some of you men free in this place. I love HGTV. (laughs) You know, it's just kind of, I mean, it's easier to say HGTV than home and garden television, you know? (laughs) I love HGTV. I mean, it's just awesome, like, watching, like, renovations take place and knowing that I'm incapable of doing that type of labor. But it's like, wow, this is so cool. Like, they're really transforming this place. And so, you know, Fixer Upper, any fans? Chip and Joanne, right? Awesome. (laughs) So it's just a fun show. And whenever we look at a verse like this and we realize, hey, we have new creation status, New creation status. Let me give it to you this way. Maybe it would be like getting a letter in the mail from HGTV. 
and it says, congratulations, you won. You get all new things. Anyone want one of those letters? <laughs> congratulations. On behalf of HGTV, you've won. Get all new things. It's a full-on fixer-upper. I mean, it's a, it's a renovation. New things, new kitchen. Got a witness. New living space with a great flow. <laughs> no. Spacious bedroom, bathroom. It's awesome. And so you get this letter, and you're so proud of it. You're so excited about it that you frame it. You hang it on your wall in your old space. Look at that. It's awesome. You begin to tell your friends about it. You might take a picture of it, post it on your Facebook or Instagram. See that? I got that letter from HGTV. I won. I get all new things. How crazy would it be if you had that letter, but you never picked up the phone? and called to claim your new things. Right? It'd be absurd. But how many times do we like saying we have new creation status, but we aren't willing to clear out the old stuff to make room for the new? Right? I mean, we have Jesus, who happens to be a carpenter, and he's coming in to renovate. Right? You've not cleared out a space for him to work. You've got some of the old things still in there. And he's wanting to knock down walls, baby. <laughs> yeah, he wants, he wants to do a, a new thing. The old is gone. The new has come. And I think too often as Christ followers, we get, you know, excited about the fact that, hey, we have new creation status. We won right? But we never actually step into the new creation status. We aren't willing to do the hard work to move some of the old stuff out of the way and get rid of the old stuff and say, all right, Jesus, come on in, do what you do best because I want that new creation. Amen. So many of us feel like, hey, I I know I'm in Christ. How come I don't feel like I'm a new creation? Maybe it's because there's still some old stuff in your space. And he wants all of you. He's a jealous God. He wants the whole heart. And I promise you surrender that to him. Man, it'll be beautiful. He'll work a miracle. You'll be a new creation. Amen? I think a lot of times we... We love the new creation status, but we don't want the new creation process. And man, it's a process. It's going to take dying to self. Yeah, Jesus comes in and saves you in that moment you put your faith in him. Absolutely. But man, this life of becoming holy as he is holy, this life of newness, it requires dying to self daily. It requires taking up your cross daily. It requires you going and looking at your living space and saying, oh man, this shouldn't be here. That that was the old me, right? 
And some of you wonder, man, I don't understand. Why, Why is there such turmoil in that area of my life? Well, if you leave out the cheese, the rats will come back, right? Man, you gotta get rid of the old stuff to make room for the new stuff. The old is gone. The new has come. Amen? Amen? Praise God. So I think sometimes we wonder, okay, well, how is this all possible? Like, if Jesus is seated at the right hand of God, and there's power and authority and deliverance and joy and pleasure there, and if we are seated in Him and we have access to those then like how how does that make sense well i want us to look at this passage in galatians and it's galatians chapter 3 verse 26 says this for you are all sons of god through faith in christ jesus for as many of you as were baptized into christ have put on christ There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are a child of God. You are a son. You are a daughter. Amen? Therefore, you have access because you've been grafted in. You've been brought in through the blood of Jesus. You've been adopted into this family. And so you are a rightful heir. And if Jesus is seated at a place of power and authority, of joy and pleasure, and he's the Prince of Peace, and we are seated in him, then therefore we have access because we're children of God. Amen? So let's bow our heads in this moment. Maybe you've not receive this new creation status you realize that there's just a void in your life emptiness and you know now man you need Jesus to be your savior you realize your need for him so if you're in this place man don't put it off any longer surrender to him that takes dying to self it's not easy but surrender your life to him because death itself equals life in Christ. So if you have yet to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you just raise your hand? Let's, let's say that prayer right now. We're not going to call you out, but just to acknowledge that that's you. Would you just raise your hand if there's anyone in here? Awesome. I see your hand. You put it down. Anyone else? Great. So before we move on, man, let's pray. If you raised your hand, you recognize that that's you. Whether you're just returning to Christ, you're coming home, or maybe you're making that decision for the first time. Open your heart right now. Put your faith in Him. Invite Him in. Jesus, thank you that you lived a perfect, sinless life so that you could be a perfect sacrifice on the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for me. Thank you that you took away my sin and shame. You bore it all on the cross. Thank you that you rose again to give me life and life abundantly. Thank you, Jesus, that we can now be seated in you. We have access to that. I pray that you would give us the strength we need to walk through this life in victory. It's all for your glory, Lord. We are all one in Christ, guys. 
if Jesus is seated where power, authority, joy, and pleasure are, and we are in Christ with a new creation status, let's start living that way. Amen? Let's walk in the power and authority that we have access to through the Holy Spirit. Let's live in victory. Amen? Let's stop letting life get the best of us because we are seated in Christ where fullness of joy and pleasure forevermore are. Amen? Let's stop just displaying and saying that we have new creation status and start laying claim to the newness because the old is gone. Amen?